0: All right. God is a supernatural God. In fact, everything about God is supernatural. What is supernatural? Well, it is something that is other than that which is natural. The laws of this world operate. Uh, Principles and the laws of nature, a science has defined a lot of the laws of a Science, law of gravity, for instance, if you walk off a cliff, the law of gravity uh, takes in. Something heavier will always move downward until it's stopped. That's the law of gravity. Uh, and it is a law that is established. But God, since He created the whole world, is more than able to supersede the laws of nature. For instance, when Jesus walked on the water, he superseded the law of gravity. Uh, And he's well able to do that since he created the law of gravity. The law of gravity does not have dominion over God. God has dominion over all things. And so God is a supernatural God. Now, it's interesting that lots of people in lots of churches today, secular churches primarily, churches that have tried to... Uh, get Jesus and the Word of God out of there, and they just want to be uh, clubs where they preach good things to make you feel good. Uh, a lot of those kinds of churches do not want to believe that God's a supernatural God, but I ask you very simply, why would we believe in a God who's not supernatural? Why even have a God who's not supernatural? If it's not supernatural, He's not God. It is part of who He is. And We have a hard time understanding that, because everything we understand is according to the laws of nature, or we we feel things and see things and hear things, and, and we have a tendency to only believe in those things that we can see. But throughout His Word, things happen that were beyond what you can see. And so what we want to do is we want to look at what I call principles of God's power. And really what I'm trying to do today is lay the groundwork so we can understand God's supernatural power. And so I'm going to establish some principles this morning. And uh, I, I've chosen a story from the Old Testament, kind of an interesting story. It's a, I was up early uh, one morning and, and I was reading in 1 Samuel. And this story just, it just jumped out at me. I've read it before. Uh, and thought about it before, but it kind of jumped out in a new way. It's a story of a man named Elkanah. His wife, in fact, he had two wives, Penaniah and Hannah. Uh, And his two wives, uh, one had children, the other didn't. Penaniah had children. Doesn't really say how many, but it says she had multiple children. Hannah, on the other hand, was childless. And it describes it like this. This is all in the first, first chapter of uh, 1 Samuel. It says that every year they would go to Shiloh. And they would worship. And they would bring sacrifices. And each year, Penaniah would give extra sacrifices, one for each of her children. But Hannah could only bring a sacrifice for herself. And Penaniah was particularly mean, and so what she would do is she would taunt and make fun of Hannah every year and make fun of her because she was childless. And in fact, it got to the point uh, where, you know, Hannah was, it says she was in tears every year. As they would go and they would go through this sacrifice and go through this time of worship. And Penn and I would tease her and taunt her. It says she taunted her. And it set up the situation where Hannah needed God to act in a supernatural way. She needed God to open her womb. She needed God to give her a child. And for all her understanding and ability and trying... She could not have children. So she needed God to act in a supernatural way. And possibly you were there today, maybe not necessarily for a child, but you are in a place where you need God to act and move in a supernatural way. In some situation in your life, maybe a child, maybe a family, maybe in finances, maybe in somewhere else, some situation in your life, you are at a place like Hannah, and you are saying, oh, God, I need your hand. I need you to move in a supernatural way in my life. I need you to touch my child. I need you to touch my physical body. I need you to do something supernatural in my life. You are right there with Hannah. And so what we want to do is we want to look at some principles from this story that I think apply throughout his word. And the very first thing that I see here, and that is desperate for God. Say that, desperate for God. Hannah was desperate for God. Look at First Samuel, uh, Samuel 1 verse 7. This kind of described what I just said. Year after year, it was the same. Penaniah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. She was so upset. And it got worse every year. And I want to say to you that when God moves in a supernatural way... Many times, if not every time, it is because somebody got desperate for God. And when I say desperate, it means you have decided that you cannot figure it out. You cannot solve it. God has to do it. And it makes sense in a way, if you can figure it out on your own, why does God need to move in a supernatural way? If you can handle the situation, if you can move or you can figure something out, why does God need to supersede the laws of nature on your behalf and do something supernatural? If you can handle it, you can't handle it. And that's why we need God to move in a supernatural way. Throughout the Bible, just think in your minds all the situations in the Bible. You know, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace, they were desperate for God. When Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, he was desperate for God to do something supernatural. When the 5,000 had to be fed and there was no food to feed them, it was a desperate situation. You just begin to go in your mind and think about every miracle. Remember the, the children of Israel. They were running from the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were closing in on them. They were going to get revenge. Pharaoh had changed his mind. They came up to the Red Sea, and God put them right there. He directed them to that place where they were trapped. And you read the prayer and the the discussion Moses had with God. God, what are you doing? We're trapped. The Egyptians are closing in. What is he saying? God, I'm desperate for you. I need you to do something supernatural. God did a supernatural act. He superseded the laws of nature and caused the sea to part. And it says they walked on dry land. That's supernatural. When water leaves a riverbed, It's not dry. It's wet. And it's muddy. But it says they walked on dry land. God, being a supernatural God. Fire coming from heaven with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Over and over and over. Desperate situation. God, we need you to work. God, I'm in a desperate situation. I need you to work. So many times, God responds when we are desperate. If you are so so, "Ah, well, God, if you don't mind, I'd like you to do a little something here. But if not, it's okay. Don't expect God to get involved. You know, if you're kind of so so about it, well, I can go either way on this, God. Well, God will say, okay, I'll just sit on the sideline then, I'll just wait get desperate, you've got God's attention. So if we're going to understand the supernatural power of God, God's principles of his power, understand that the beginning of that is a sense of desperation. The second thing I see here is the decision to surrender. Now we're going to read What happens next in Hannah's situation. Look what she does. She prays a new prayer. She prays differently this time than all the other times. Look what she says. We're going to pick up at verse 9. Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly As she prayed to the Lord and she made this vow. And as far as we understand, as far as we know, this is the first time she made this vow. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime as a sign And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Now, if you're childless and you've been praying for a child all your life and you've got a rival that taunts you all the time about being childless, it's not an easy decision to give up that child. Can you agree with me on that? You don't have any children. You want children, but now you come. You've, you've decided to add something to your desperation, and that is surrender. God, I'm willing. I'm so willing. If you'll just give me... and she doesn't pray for a child. Notice she says, "I'll give me a son, a son." Now here's the interesting thing: the firstborn son would always belong to God. Now, what they would do a lot of times uh, is they would redeem that child, that son, back so he could stay at home. But if he didn't redeem, then that meant he belonged to God and he would serve in the priesthood. He would serve the Lord in some way, full time. But she said this, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you and you can have him for his entire life. Now, just think about that. God could have given her a child, could have given her son at any point. He could have responded only to her desperation. God waited. God waited to answer her prayer and to act in the supernatural until she was willing to surrender. And as I read that, I thought to myself, How many people in this church and how many people across the world are desperate for God? But God is waiting for an act of surrender before he moves on your behalf and answers in a supernatural way. So many times, God has a perspective that we don't have. Now, Hannah, she was tired of the taunting. She was tired of the shame of her barrenness. She was tired of not having children. She was tired of feeling like she was not loved. And so her frame of reference, her perspective about having a child was all about her pain and her suffering. But you see, God's perspective is different from our perspective. Think about it. God was looking ahead to a man named Samuel. God was looking for a man named Samuel who would become one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He was looking at a man named Samuel who would anoint the first king of Israel, King Saul. He was looking at a man that would anoint David, the best and amazing and the greatest king that Israel had. God was looking ahead to the godly kingship lineage that would end with Jesus Christ. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the man that would anoint David who would usher in the lineage of Jesus, God had a bigger plan and was worried about more things than Penaniah's taunts. And so he waited. God is looking for his kingdom to be fulfilled. He's looking for bigger and greater and more amazing things than we are. And when we need God to operate and move in a supernatural way so many times, we're just thinking about us. Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Lord, would you please do this? And we wonder why God waits. But my advice to you, my counsel to you, is that if you want God... To act in a supernatural way. Be desperate. But have an attitude of surrender. God, your way and not my one. Your will and not my will. Your plan and not my plan. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Oh God, show me your ways. Show me your heart. God had a plan that was so much greater than. Than Hannah's plan. He was waiting. For Samuel to be born. Who would fulfill his plan. And his purpose in the earth. And so that son. That was born. To Hannah. Was Samuel. He fulfilled the plan. That God had. But Hannah didn't see that. She couldn't look ahead. For the ages to come. She couldn't. Look ahead and see the, what her son would become. She didn't see all of that. All she could feel was the shame of her barrenness. But here's the thing. Sometimes God uses our pain to push us to surrender. Sometimes he pushes us with that heartache. And it brings us to that act of surrender. Surrender. Because as far as I can see, as far as I can understand, Hannah was desperate. But on this year, at this place, when she was at Shiloh, she surrendered. And she said, God, I'll give my son back to you. If you'll just give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And you can do whatever you want with him. He will serve you with his whole life. It's okay. You know, God waits. God waits. And I I just want to encourage you today that maybe there's a miracle that you are needing for God to work. And I encourage you. Approach Him. If you want God to act in a supernatural way, yes, we need to be desperate. But we also need to say, God, I lay my life in your hands. I surrender my life to you. Lord, I don't understand all your plans and your purpose, so Lord, do whatever you want to do. Have that attitude, that act of surrender. The third thing I see here, I'll say this, I'll say it this way. First comes the natural, then comes the supernatural. First comes the natural, then comes the supernatural. I want us to finish this little passage here. Uh, in first Samuel let's look in and we'll pick up with verse 12 and as she was praying to the Lord Eli watched her now Eli is the prophet of God at this point seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound he thought she had been drinking must you come here drunk he demanded throw away your wine oh no sir she replied I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger But I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. then she went back and began to eat. She was no longer saying. Why? Because the word of the Lord would be accomplished. Eli was the prophet of God at that point. And when Eli said, may God grant your request, it was granted. God was going to answer her prayer. She was going to have a son. But I want you to notice something. And again, I want you to stretch your understanding throughout the word old testament new testament how many times before god acts in the supernatural he calls us to act in the natural now for hannah it was her great anguish and her great sorrow and her prayer crying out to god that got eli's attention it was that out loud prayer In the natural. She did something in the natural. And then God moved in the supernatural. How does God encourage us to pray for the sick? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed or they shall recover. What is that? First comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. All through the Word. In fact, if you begin to do a study of every miracle, Old Testament, New Testament, you will find that almost every time the supernatural act of God was preceded by something in the natural. A confession, a prayer, uh, and something in obedience. Something you did that God said, and that becomes the faith point. I want you to look with me at a Again, a story in the Old Testament. But what a great example. Of first comes the natural. Then comes the supernatural. It's in 1 Kings. I want you to see this story. It's the story of Elisha. And uh, this is Naaman. Naaman was the uh, commander of all the hosts of the armies of Syria. And Naaman had leprosy. And so Naaman heard that... There was a prophet of God, Elisha at this time, that could help him, that God would heal him. And so Elisha comes and, uh, excuse me, Naaman comes and puts his chariot outside of Elisha's house and sends a messenger inside and said, Naaman, the, the king's Army servants of Syria is outside, and I need you to do something for me. I need to be healed of leprosy. And this is what happened. Watch. But Elisha sent out a messenger to him with this message. So Elisha didn't even get out of the house. He just sent a messenger outside. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you'll be healed of leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He can't believe he sent out a messenger. He said, and I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Albana and Paphar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So now he's getting a little nationalistic about it, you know. So Naaman turned away and went away in a rage. Watch this. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? (laughs) So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, Go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped him seven times. As the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. refused. Why? Because he didn't want them to think that the miracles of God were for sale. Unlike a lot of TV preachers today that want to sell the miracles of God, you'll just send in this money, then you'll get a great miracle. All that's baloney. By the way, if you hadn't figured that out, that's all fake. Miracles of God, the blessings of God, it's not for sale. Now, you probably know the end of this story. After he had gone away, the servant got to thinking about the money and ran to, to Naaman and said, Hey, Naaman, Elisha's changed his mind. He'll take that money. <laughs> and so Naaman gave him a bunch of money, a bunch of silver and gold. And when the servant got back, Elisha looked at him and said, you lied. Why would you do such a thing? God had already spoke to him what his servant did. And the servant had the leprosy. Heavy price to pay. The point that I'm trying to make here is that there was just a simple act of go washing the pool, the river of Jordan. It was about a four-mile journey from where Elisha was. wasn't very far. wasn't a big deal. But it was an act of obedience to the Holy Spirit. And the idea, the principle here, do something in the natural to prove that you're willing to obey God. And then God operates in the supernatural god operates in the spiritual realm he waits for our desperation he waits for us to surrender and there many times an act of obedience that he calls us to because first comes the natural then comes the spiritual the supernatural you see this principle that's mentioned even in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 and 46. Look at this. As so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterwards, the spiritual or the supernatural. So it is a principle throughout God's Word. He will call us to an act of obedience Obedience to what the Holy Spirit says. And sometimes it would be something simple. The last thing I want us to see about principles of God's power, and that is God is in control. And I, I conclude this message with this point because at no time are we in the driver's seat for God's supernatural power. You do not force God to do something by your great faith. And I've heard that before, you know. If you'll just have great faith, God will have to do what you told him to. That's not true. We do not become God. We don't run things. We don't control anything. We come in a place of desperation, a place of surrender, an act of humility. Crying out to God. And there, and I, you know, I, it, it irritates me that there are so many preachers out there that try and preach this attitude, this mentality. Um, that if you just have great faith, God will have to do what you say. No, He doesn't have to do anything. He's God. That's the bottom line. At all times, He is God. But I will say this, that... He knows his plan and his purpose. And his purpose is greater than ours. I want to read to you a familiar verse. that's in Isaiah chapter um, 55. It's a powerful verse that reminds us that he is in control and why he's in control. It's in Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 11. It says this, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now. While he is near, let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. This is what God says. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth... So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow comes down from heaven and stays on the ground to water the earth. It caused the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper wherever I send it. God sends His Word. God is the one who does the supernatural work. And our plan may not be in accordance with His plans. You can have all kinds of faith. You can jump up and down. You can do all kinds of acts of obedience. You can be desperate. but when it all comes down to it he's in control he's in charge and God is going to do it according to his plan why? because his ways are bigger than ours his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his plans are better than our plans God can see the history as though it's today he can see today as it really is and he can see the future that we cannot see So considering his perspective of everything, you have to agree, God, you're in control. You know, I do not get angry at God when God doesn't do it my way. I prayed many prayers for people to be healed and restored. And I have had the privilege of seeing many people healed and restored. Miracles happen been amazing but it doesn't happen every time just being honest with you and I don't get mad I don't have a tantrum because God's ways are higher than my ways now think about this if God heals your body let's say the supernatural miracle you need is a a healing from God If God heals your body today, and you are instantly and completely healed, that healing is just going to last for a little while. Because this body, our old bodies are wearing away. Right? I mean, it's not like we're going to last forever. But the miracle of your new birth lasts forever. (laughs) Think about it. And look, look how these principles tie into us being born again. First, you need to get desperate for God. You need to have hunger and a desperation to want a relationship with God. Some of you walked in this morning empty. Empty and having no purpose or meaning. And God sometimes brings us to that emptiness so that we would say, God, I'm desperate for you. And then add to that desperation, surrender. Lord, I want to surrender to your lordship. I want to surrender to your lordship in my life. I want to give my life over to you. And then you do something in the natural and God responds in the supernatural. What does he say? He says, if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord you shall be saved what is that you do something in the natural you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and then God says okay I'm going to match that with a miracle I'm going to give you a new birth I'm going to give you a new life I'm going to give you welcome into the kingdom of God. I'm going to restore you and forgive you of all of your sin. Welcome you to the family of God. I mean, God has a bargain for you today. What an amazing offer God has for you. You get desperate for God. Then you add to your desperation a willingness to surrender to Him. And when you finally get to that point, he says, if you will confess, you shall be saved. And God wants to give you all of heaven, all of the riches of heaven. Be a part of his family. Be forgiven of sin. You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ, when you walked into this building, you were filled with the weight of sin. That's a terrible thing. To walk around with the weight of sin. But I have good news for you. You can walk out without sin. Isn't that amazing? You can walk out of here with having sin removed. You can walk out of here being welcomed into the family of God. And you can have a heart transplant. You don't even have to go down to the heart center this morning. You can have a heart transplant this morning right here and what happens is God is going to open up your spiritual heart he says in Ezekiel 36 he says he's going to reach in there and take out that old heart of stone throw that junk away you don't need a new leaf you need a new heart everybody's ready to turn over a new leaf forget turning over a new leaf man that new leaf won't help you you need a new heart and so after he takes out that old heart of stone he says then I'm going to place in a new heart Spiritual, soft, tender heart. And then he said, I'm going to place my spirit within you. Give you a new spirit. You're going to be ushered into the kingdom of God. You're going to be into the family of God. What an amazing offer God has for every person. And the greatest supernatural miracle you can receive today is spiritual new birth. Because it lasts for eternity. It lasts forever. And I, I get excited when God does a miracle. We see God act in the supernatural, and somebody gets healed, or God does something supernatural. I've had God do amazing supernatural things in my life, He spared my life. I can think of five times in my life where He has supernaturally saved my physical life when I should have died. I should have died at birth soon after I was born mom my mom told me she said you developed some sort of virus or something and said your uh, she said your temperature went up to 108 degrees and it stayed there at 108 the doctor said well if he ever wakes up if he ever makes it he'll be like a vegetable his brain is going to be fried a lot of people think today my brain may be fried but my mom my mom went into the chapel the hospital and she said God I give my son to you if you'll spare his life I'll give him to you she prayed a prayer similar to Hannah she didn't even know it was a prayer of Hannah she said I'll give him to you if you'll spare his life she walked out of the room walked back into the room where I was the doctor said his temperature is coming down it's coming down and soon was normal that was the first time when I should have died but God does supernatural things for a reason I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet I lift before you every person in this room. There are some people in this room, Lord, that came in weighed down with sin. Weighed down with the weight and the burden of sin. Tired of doing things their way. And today, Lord, you're making that offer to them that you've made hundreds, thousands of times over the last thousands of years lord you make this offer again this morning for people to come to you to get desperate for you to surrender to you and allow you to do something supernatural in response to our natural surrender lord i ask you in the name of jesus in the name of jesus Lord, I ask you to draw the hearts, men and women, boys and girls, young people this morning, all over this room. There are people in this room. They need that supernatural birth. They need that supernatural forgiveness of sin. Lord Jesus, I ask you to draw in the net, restore, and draw them to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus going to sing as they sing i'm going to invite you if you want that supernatural miracle of god i'm going to ask you to get out of your seat and what i'm asking you to do is something in the natural first comes the natural then comes the supernatural so what's the natural get out of your seat and walk down here pray with me come on there's some people here god's speaking to you. you need to come first comes the natural Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on, young man. Come on. Yeah, come on. First comes the natural. Then comes the supernatural. God needs wants to do a supernatural work in your life. Anybody else? Yes. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. come on, young man. Spirit of God, drawing you in. Drawing yes, young man. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your... And remember what's going on here. There's an act of surrender. The act of surrender. We, we match that with a willingness confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, as we're going to pray, when we pray, what's going to happen? God's going to reach in. You're going to take out that old heart. And you're going to get a new heart. Spiritual Spiritual transformation. Your old heart comes out. God puts in a new heart. Then He puts His Holy Spirit inside of you. Makes you a brand new person. You supply the act of surrender. You, uh, you supply the desperation. And by your willingness to come down here, thank you. Thank you for your willingness. Now, God is going to respond by giving you everything that God has in heaven. Every good spiritual gift God has for you today. And welcome you into the family of God. Amazing. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And I want you to just to repeat that prayer with me. Okay, I'm going to verbally help you uh, to just make this act of surrender. Maybe some of you worship team, or follow, follow up team. You want to come down and stand behind them uh, just to support them. I have a loved one down here. Okay, here we go. Ready? We're going to pray. Old and young, willingness to surrender. Hallelujah. Ready? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm desperate for you, God. I'm hungry for you. I willingly submit to you. I surrender to you, Lord. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I confess Jesus as Lord. I turn from my sin. I turn away, Lord, from my old life. And I ask for a new life, a new heart. Welcome me into the kingdom of God. By your Holy Spirit, today I am born again in the name of Jesus I will never be the same. Thank you, Lord. I receive that new heart, my new mind, my new thoughts. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This is what I'd like you to do. This is Brother Freddie over here, and he's in charge of our follow-up. Uh, first of all, this is wife Nadine. Uh, as many of you would, if you can, if you have the time, I'd like you to follow Freddie and Nadine. We've got a room right around the corner over there. We'd like to give you a Bible, uh, which would be a great helps Bible. And just encourage you in your new walk with God. If you've never done this before, this is the first time, i encourage you to go with him and help him to be able to pray with you maybe answer any questions that you have. I love you. May the Lord bless you. Amen.